0: Hi, this is Megan Davis, and you're listening to Stories Create Me, a podcast that explores the stories that we tell that make up our present day and eventually are going to influence our future. Each month, I explore a topic with a special guest. The topic varies, but the sentiment is always the same. The stories we tell become our future. And so, won't you join us? As this narrative unfolds, Betty Sargent, artist and storyteller extraordinaire, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so, I what I'm really interested in talking about with you today is why storytelling. How did that become central to what you do as an artist? Was there a bit of a process or was it really organic? You know, how did this all how did this all happen?
1: It's uh it's interesting. I'm not sure. There's many things that I do, I I'm a real planner. I think ahead and I plan. I'm interested in the news, so I often work with technology a lot. I'm a curious person, so I always want to find out how I can do something in a different way. I want to learn more, and that's what drives me Mm. but I think the commonality with everything that I make in all the different mediums that I've worked in over the years is storytelling Mm. and so I'm not sure that it that was a conscious choice in it but when I reflect on my practice um, I think that is the the most crucial thread Mm. that runs through all of my work is mm-hmm. that it has
0: an element of storytelling. Mm. And then technology as well. And, you know, why do these go together for you or why does storytelling need to evolve in a different way? You know, um, I maybe talk about one of your recent projects that you've got going on.
1: Yeah. Look, um, I made this thing called the storytelling machine and I don't know that I was particularly interested in disrupting narrative, Mm. but I was really interested in automated systems and what automated systems are doing to us socially, culturally, physically. And I suppose as a result of that, I I did disrupt narrative because Mm. the, the machine is really a participatory media artwork where people can come along and draw any picture and they do that on an A4 piece of paper mm. and then they put it inside a photo booth that I worked with a team mm. that we designed and built and press a button and their picture is automatically animated and it's instantly put into these video worlds that are projected onto surfaces in an exhibition space. Now everybody's characters become combined People can put in short texts, these micro stories in any language, Mm -hmm. and the machine is in control of the narrative. It curates the narrative. So for me what this machine does is deliver this very disjointed contemporary narrative that are these short segments of different people's expressions of themselves, visions of their world, however you want to put it, Mm. all jammed together. Mm. And it reflects for me the kind of practice that we use and rely on in social media and for me social media has become one of our society's dominant narratives and Mm. we turn to that and shape those all those disjointed narratives of you know one post might be oh look my socks socks match my beer and the next Mm -hmm. post might be I can barely breathe my grandfather's passed away Mm. and these disparate thoughts are completely jammed together and we're somehow meant to make sense of this in our own lives and for me that is a bizarre reality. So I was interested in kind of holding a mirror up to the audience and saying, look, this is what automated systems are doing. Mm. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with them shaping our future cultures Mm. through shaping our stories, being in control of how we write, publish and consume our stories, Mm. which is such a fundamental part of us as humans, I believe. But my initial curiosity was really about automated systems because I'm not anti-technology at all. In fact, I love it, Mm. Uh, but I'm interested in making technology experiences that work for us so that we're not working for them right so that the technology helps us be more socially and physically engaged mm. with each other we're, mm. we're social animals and at the moment that's quite disrupted by mobile technology our physicality and our socializing skills are pretty disrupted so that artwork was really about about story and what automated systems are doing to story and I I suppose it's you know it was it's interesting it's got always got these kind of double sides to it art for me where in one way lots of people just looked at it but oh that's so much fun because they could see their character being animated yeah it is really a fun enticing Mm. machine it's Mm. super enjoyable to watch but I think Like many things, there is a small percentage of people who then stop and reflect and say, oh, Mm -hmm. because underneath the artwork was this sort of dark underbelly projection mapping of this sort of dark underbelly of inside workings of a computer. And Mm. there were, you know, the percentage of the audience that stopped and went, oh, okay, this is actually inviting us to reflect on this um, right, and reflect on our addiction to this very enticing narrative that we're given through social media.
0: Mm. And so you think if we reflect on storytelling as a technology in itself, right, and as something that's, that's evolving, and you go back to 2,000 years ago when people started creating written sentences that were sophisticated, you know, And being able to communicate that way. And then we're going from that to the printing press. And then we're going to that to the telephone and we're going to radio and TV and, and then all the things that, (laughs) that the internet provides and social media. And, and so, you know, as, as time goes on, the way that we tell stories has become really fractured. we have got all these different layers of how we're communicating. So it's like, you know, I guess, during this evolution that we're constantly experiencing what do you think is one of the things that will always remain constant despite the technological changes but what what are the things that because it is so human and we and we must do it we must do it to create culture and to maintain our lives really humans are cyclical creatures
1: and uh, I'm looking in the reading that I'm doing at the moment, the wider kind of thinking. You know, as many people are, I'm looking back at the industrial revolution and looking at the cycles that happened as a result of that because mm. this age of automation that we're in now is creating a similar pattern to the disruption in jobs, in future jobs. So many people are completely... Completely asleep at the wheel and have no idea of the level of change that's really occurring within the workplace and that's going to continue to shift in the next very short period of time. Mm. And there's only a certain number of people who are really prepared for that, I think. Mm. So I think that the, the commonality that I can see is... Maybe the longest story of humans (laughs) is that we continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, (laughs) or we can say that we, if we're going to go glass half full on it, we can say we we continue to design and imagine our ways out of situations and into better future situations Mm. as well. Mm. And I am a great optimist, so I'm not a doomsday person at all with where Mm. we're at, but Mm. I'm definitely one that's actively involved in educating people. Like all of the art that I do is Mm. there's workshops that run beside it Mm. and talking to people, teenagers, seniors, everybody, Mm -hmm. about future jobs, future work, which is really, you know, laying the path for the future story.
0: Mm, yeah, and as things change and and continue to change, we're getting worse at predicting the future because you know there there used to be a time where we would say we could project reasonably fifteen twenty years and understand what a marketplace is going to look like or how people were going to be able to interact in within a certain economy, and now we're in this phase where. <laughs> It's it's really it's really opening up. Right. And 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 it's scary, but it's also so full of possibility. Right. And so when you're when you're talking about your education process and you're talking about all the you know, there's a lot of good things to come as well as things that probably won't be so great for a lot of people. Is there like a particular message or takeaway that or, or something that you like to stress moving that forward?
1: Well, I, I suppose. Well, just backtracking to something that you said about it, it's difficult to predict now, or we're not as good at predicting right now. Mm. I don't watch mainstream media news. Mm. I don't engage at all, and I think we are fed a message about uh, predictive stats that and predictions that are really training us to think in a particular way that's not useful for me. It's just mm. my choice. Mm. But I do engage with a lot of reading. I follow journalists online, particular journalists, and I'm quite specific because I like to be careful with what I spend my time with because time mm. the biggest commodity. And mm. so I'm careful about who is feeding me the information. Mm-hmm that I that I take in in, in my learning. Mm. And I'm not so sure that the whole of society is bad at predicting where we're going, but I think mainstream media has a vested interest in telling us a certain message. Personally, I'm not particularly interested in that message, so, mm. so I avoid it. But to jump to your next question about, you know, perhaps if I have something that I'm really driving forward or a message that I try to give over to people, is this idea of knowledge sharing Mm. and empowering people, not empowering people, but um, just acknowledging that we all have inherent knowledge and that when we share this, it's a fascinating process of what we can learn from each other. Mm. And this age of automation is not just about people who know about computers. Sure, if you want to get a job, Mm. You need to know computer coding. That is without a doubt. It's up there with English. Mm. English is is essential in the Australian education system. In my mind, computer coding is as well. Mm. There's lots of ways you can do that. And there's a free online course at Harvard that I tell everybody about, Introduction to Computer Science. Okay. It's free. And it's a Harvard University degree. You pay for the certificate. Mm. And in saying that, I'm not saying everyone needs to be a coder, Mm. but – if you love something and you're good at it, you're in a great position. Make that your job. Mm-hmm. Learn computer coding and you'll be employable. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a really simple system for me. And and I think that people can really create their own story within their own life. They can live, particularly now, out of any time where mm. we're much more entrepreneurial than any other time. Mm. And I think artists are the expert in this Mm. we have been salvaging been resourceful we've been disrupted we've been all those words that people are using (laughs) all the time now we've hot desked our entire life yeah
0: yeah
1: we are the absolute experts in what's happening right now Mm. we have been not by nature but by design we are entrepreneurial we Mm. have to if you're still surviving as a professional artist you are an entrepreneur Mm. so I think that as artists, as many artists have so much to teach society now and to help them in this transition to this more entrepreneurial way of working mm-hmm. where there's no, a job for life is a complete rarity, mm. even now, and will mm. be more so in the future, absolute rarity. And I think that art, Art for me is a social mission. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I'm funded by governments and so it's taxpayers money mm. that I'm using and I feel a responsibility to involve people in mm-hmm. what I do and for the art to be for people mm. and to be accessible and in doing that I'm not trying to dumb things down at all I try and distill an idea so that it can be understood by anybody and that that idea hopefully has a larger reason to exist than just it's because I feel like doing it, that it has some reason where it can socially engage a potentially disengaged group in society
2: Mm. and that it
1: can give them some meaning, some involvement, a sense of belonging and involve them in something constructive that they're making together. So that's the kind of work that I like to do and so often it comes down to story. People's individual stories are fascinating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I love telling them to, you know, Hmm. a bit narcissistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's that validation, you know, you were talking about before, like it it is extremely validating to have, to be listened to, to be heard. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about this, the, the ability to be part of something larger than yourself, like being part of the larger human narrative, this ongoing Story that we're collectively part of until hopefully, well, for, hopefully for a very long time to come. But um, <laughs> yeah, but our, you know, that's how I see s- stories' role in, you know, preserving and creating our culture and moving us forward is this ability to, to share. And the ability that we have now to share compared to any other time in history, like you were saying, is is absolutely phenomenal. And we have, as individuals, so much power and you know then the artist's role within that is you know you, you're saying that you're kind of at this forefront in a way because it's it's nothing new to an, to an artistic lifestyle or way of navigating the world and so now you you're almost like these you're like this amplifier is that right is that do you do you see some sort of like you are able to amplify the voices or help them connect more or
1: definitely i'm definitely interested in in elevating people's
0: work and i mm. think
1: that's that's you've hit really on the main thing that that we try and do because you know we collect together we just made a thing called the playground that people had these I'm trying to find one these large sort of laser cut pieces there's one mm. behind me you can see oh yes yeah that laser cut piece We had huge ones of them in a gallery space that spelt out the words play, Mm. and people found these smaller pieces that were had like art, play, words, see, hear, feel, sensory things, trying to connect people to the environment around them. Mm. And they found these in hidden locations. There was a map. printed map but also the locations and cryptic clues were online. So it was kind of a geocation game. Okay. And people found them, they brought them to the gallery, they slot them on mm. to this central frame. And they're all words. So together they make this kind of disjointed narrative as
2: well mm. Mm. where
1: the, all these words are slotted together and all these letters and they start to spell different things. Like mm. sometimes you'd see play, sometimes you'd see pay, pay for play. And like there's all these different kind of <laughs> yeah. words which – I found fascinating. Mm. People could also take photos of their environment and these were kind of the play of light on a texture. So we're not talking selfies, Mm. talking very abstract images. And then upload these and these would be automatically projected onto the acrylic sculpture. So the shape of this sculpture and the visuals that were projected onto it, so the colours and the feel of it, were completely directed by the public. But what we did through giving them the materials and crafting the materials was enable them to elevate the work that they do because there was a certain design quality to the connecting of these pieces, Mm. which did sort of elevate the way in which they were slotted together because it was, you know, that took a long time of prototyping, crafting, testing to really get those pieces right, so that people mm. could play with them in the most easeful way and create shapes that they wanted to make mm. and completely driven, but it looked amazing in the mm. end. And the pictures that they sent in, we animate in real time, so it makes sort of generative art. So okay. animation of it is never the same, in, so the artwork never looks the same in any two moments. The imagery is constantly sifting through each of the images that people have contributed people could still identify their image so they could still see themselves in the artwork mm. but a photograph of the fabric of their skirt for example was elevated to a much higher level they could still recognize it but it shone mm. on that artwork so i definitely think that's a part of our job is the using the skills that we have to yeah, I like to make big art and mm. and to enable people to really be a part of that from the ground up. But I also wanted to just, I was curious about something you said before mm-hmm. about social and saying that, well, not about social, you're talking about the internet and about how our ability to have a voice or something or to be mm. a freedom to be heard or something mm. like never before. Mm. And I would just actually question that mm-hmm. myself. I think that's the narrative we're fed. Mm. But what's actually happening is we all know there's never a free lunch. Mm. What's happening is that these platforms are for free because our data is being mined. Mm. So that we have the freedom to say anything well for sure. Mm-hmm. The more we say, the better. The bigger our audience, the better. Mm-hmm. Because the more data that can be mined about us and the more information can be collected. And this is being used in an incredibly diverse way Mm. and will affect our futures in a really diverse way, Mm -hmm. how much we pay for things Mm -hmm. such as insurance, Mm -hmm. you know, whether we will even be able to get health insurance in the future depending on what you've searched on Google
2: Mm -hmm. because everybody
1: likes to, you know, play Google Doctor. And unless, you know, you're, you know, careful about how you organise your browsers and what you're signed into, all of that's logged. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would sort of question our build our freedom within that. I think that was the word freedom or something you used that I kind of thought, yeah, that that's what we're being told. But I'm I'm suspicious there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a freedom. I think it's a, a like a, a tidbit that we've been given
2: mm-hmm.
0: a shiny bauble in the corner to distract us from the real picture. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of a trade off, as you have pointed out. Mm. But, and where, I guess, where's the tipping point? Because there is so much pleasure in doing it as well, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I walk that line. I walk mm. that, look, I'm a total digital
0: person. Yeah.
1: And I walk that line, but I'm not, I am not open about everything. Mm. I am quite targeted about what I share on social Mm -hmm. and I'm quite targeted about the personal details that well people can find about me on the internet Mm -hmm. in terms of the data that's being collected on me I am not going to go and live in the mountains with no wi-fi Mm -hmm. but at least I like to be eyes wide open Mm -hmm. and so I don't I don't feel like it's an amazing freedom for me. Mm-hmm. It, it it provides me a service mm-hmm. and I pay for that service mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my data. Mm-hmm. That's the relationship I have with it. So the internet is not some amazing free thing. I pay for the data that I download. You know, every month you have mm-hmm. to pay for that. It's not a free service. Mm-hmm. When you're hooking onto someone else's Wi-Fi, they're stealing even more data from you. So that's not free. Mm-hmm. That's even more dodgy. I'm not keen on that at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite selective. There's some apps I will not
0: download. <laughs> yep. I think I know which ones you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, that's definitely the other side of the coin, isn't it? And there's, there's a lot of different, you know, I guess there's lots of different cultural conversations going on around that. You know, you look in certain parts of Europe, like Germany, for example, Google has to block out certain addresses and homes of people ask them to and whereas in the U.S. culturally people are totally most people are seem to be totally fine with the trade-off there and a lot of them are increasingly aware of what's happening when they're signing over things and the way that people are interacting and in justifying or making changes you know it's it's interesting how it's it's evolving because it, it there are different kind of ways people are handling different things in different parts of the world yeah and i just think it's it just should be an opt-in choice Mm. for me Mm -hmm.
1: and rather than a given and so when i design a system for people to interact with Mm -hmm. that's always in my mind as well so with the playground i wanted to design an automated system that allowed people to contribute images and to contribute creatively Mm. to an artwork without providing any personal information. I know that creative information is very personal, mm. but any personally identifiable is personal. right, right, yeah. And uh, the part of the point I was wanting to make, like in terms of like the workshops that I run and things like that, is saying automated systems don't need to collect data. Mm. So it's not automation and it's not technology that people, some people, are sort of pushing back against or has have a disease about mm. in terms of data collection. It's the ways in which they're being used, and you and I—we can all design systems that aren't like that. Mm. And isn't that interesting? And mm. that's what you know. I like to fill my world with the way I like to see the world, mm-hmm. and I'm not a kind of you know blue sky dreamer. I'm quite a—I'm quite a realist. Mm. I, I push the way that I push back is to actually try and slice out and make a slice of the world in the way that that I want it to be, mm. and that's quite an open source sharing of information and knowledge so that we can all elevate together so that's what's fascinating to me and I'm not saying everyone should be the same but I do find that people do enjoy being involved in these processes and learning how to, how to design an automated system mm. from the ground up mm. and, and how you can very easily design it so that no information needs to be identifiable don't need to identify a person at all or Mm. store or track any data. It's actually easier not to. Mm -hmm. And so that people may be more inclined to design these type of systems as well. As we get through this hump Mm. of going into this age of automation, which we're just sort of going – it's becoming very popular to kind of automate everything. And then I Mm. I believe we'll pull back and realize that humans are actually really useful (laughs) at some tasks and very, yeah, I drove past the other day and there was a car wash and there was seven guys, because they were all men, washing a car.
0: Right, yeah. No Mm -hmm. machine. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I just went, great, the future is here. (laughs) Human labor Yeah. now realized is cheaper than machine maintenance.
0: Yes, yeah yeah it's so it's so true. I mean,
1: there's a whole issue there with the cost of labor mm. but, um, but it's your machines aren't the answer for everything, but I certainly think they're fascinating and can do some tasks much better than we can
0: mm-hmm. or so, at sometimes a layer of impersonal something is better than a human because there's no judgment, for example, if you had a really embarrassing question. <laughs> You know, it's always good to have the option to not ask a person, you know, someone that's not going to judge you.
1: <laughs> I automatically thought of a supermarket queue. I love those automated queues where I can just be anonymous and beat my things through. Yeah. And put them in the bags I've bought and take them.
0: Yeah, That's,
1: that's like great. Not having to engage with a person, but I, I you know, I love people, but I'm also mm. an introvert. So... Those kind of interactions are brilliant for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all a give and take. So we've we've just about gone a half an hour. There's just one one question though that I I wanted to ask because I thought it was really interesting how you were talking about there's like this hump that we have to get over where we think everything needs to be automated or that there's so many you know, that the benefits possibly of automation of perhaps even artificial intelligence are being overemphasized and that we will pull back a bit because you know if we talk about cycles with humans we're not very good at moderation like we're good at either really pushing and going way too far or being too scared to do anything like that's usually where we sit we're either timid or go overboard or we don't have enough to eat or we eat too much or you know like we're just not very good at moderation and so I was just wondering like how you see that that working or that's that swing process.
1: I, I don't think we can underestimate the awesome power, in, for good and not so good, mm. um, of automated systems and artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, but I, I do think that people are going kind of mad for automation, mm-hmm. and and I, I think that it's the same. It's the same with the industrial revolution. There was, you know, it's a it's a natural pattern. Where everybody will think that to seem like they're modern and up with it, that it, things have to, all their processes have to be automated mm. and that needs to be done through a computing system. I think we all know in reality that sometimes a piece of paper and a pen is the quickest way. And certainly most digital designers don't start by sitting down at a computer and going, let me design something. Yeah, you know, you're pretty much sitting together, and there's a, you, you know, just today I mm. had one of these brainstorming things, and you you grab a napkin, that's mm. where you are, and then mm. and you scribble it onto a napkin, and then you kind of get another one and make it into some sort of funny prototypey thing, and then and it takes a little while for you to invest the time into actually designing that digitally, mm. because rapid prototyping can be done a lot more quickly by hand. People who have been working in the digital realm for a long time understand that and know that. I think some people who are playing a bit of catch-up have this feeling that if they're not seen to be having automated systems, then that they're going to be left behind. Mm. And I, I, I think, if you know, potentially if they ran computer coding courses for all of those people so that they understood what was happening inside those machines, then everybody's going to be a lot more informed and then some interesting stuff will happen, rather mm. than just automating these systems and people still being even more in the dark about what's going on. Mm. Is you know teach? There's plenty of there's plenty of courses online, and give people you know employees the time to do some of these courses and to actually upskill, mm. so that they can be a more play a more active role in this age of automation because they understand the processes and they're not scared of them.
0: Yeah, so it's. It's, it's, a, it's, you've talked a lot about education, that education is a big part of ensuring that we understand what's happening, but also having some control over how we continue to interact with whatever is going to happen. We have ability to opt in or out or maybe change things for ourselves without having outside help.
1: Yeah, I, I think education is important because a lot of people need upskilling. Digital upskilling, mm. and I, I think that there's a, it's it's a very important time for that to happen, and I think for some people it has to happen quite mm. rapidly because our systems have been slow in recognising them. I've been working quite a lot in South Korea, doing some large scale art projects there, and doing work in Taiwan. In and um, these economies are on quite experiencing quite a lot of growth I mean some of them are a little shaky but they're they're experiencing growth and they are investing in the knowledge economy mm-hmm. and they've done that for like 20 years mm. and they are so far ahead of the game mm. that when I I come back here I really I feel for some of the kids in schools who are being told oh yes this digital thing people bang on about it a bit don't they but don't worry things aren't going to change that much which is almost a direct quote that a school kid told me that one of the career councils told her at school <laughs> and, oh wow yeah wow and
0: this, is,
1: and this is you know not some backwater school no um, it and the You know, a lot of the teachers that we meet when we run these workshops, they admit, they say, look, it's 20 years since I've been in university. Right. I don't know how to – I only know how to teach the theory. I don't know how to teach in an applied way. I don't know how to show the result and then teach backwards from that. Right. Because that's what we want now. We want to see what it does Mm -hmm. and then kids want to evaluate, is this worthwhile for me to understand? Mm
2: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And then if it is, they'll invest. So right. if you show them an audio-reactive system and you say, hey, make a sound and this visual will move and they'll go, get out, and you mm. go, do it, mm-hmm. and they do it, and they go, wow, how do you do it? They're mm-hmm. asking a question. They're in. Mm. And then you can talk about the physics of that. You can talk about the, the mathematics, the coding, everything behind it mm. and they're listening. Mm. That's, yeah, that's the sort of the underbelly of the work I really love to do. I mean, making art is a beautiful thing for me, mm. but being able to bring people along with it and kind mm. of go, let's share our knowledge. And then I had some a kid in a workshop the other day and he said, oh, that's exactly like a fractal. And I said, mm. that is a fractal. Mm. Can you tell us what a fractal is? He said, yeah, we learned about it. It was really boring. And I said, does that look boring? And he said, no, it doesn't. Mm. I said, well, tell us what's happening up there. And then mm. he told us the, the, the theory. Mm. And all the other kids are going, yeah, right. That's what the teacher was saying, wasn't it? You're just, and they were putting it together in a completely different way. And, and they were in, and it was so wow. interesting because most of yeah. those kids, there's one kid out of that class who actually remembered that even being taught about it. And the rest of them were just going, "No, nah, I kind of slept through that. Mm. You know, it was just another bunch of signs and symbols that weren't relevant to me." Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I love those moments when when you can feel. People kind of coming in and going yeah mm. I, want, I want into this because mm. it is exciting it gives me license to make and to see the things that are inside my head come alive mm. and that's that's a great opportunity for anybody regardless of what career you want you know just mm. the chance to have
0: that experience well it's it's pure creative expression isn't it and that there are tools that you, ha- you have to have, obviously, to interact, you know, to create digital spaces or interact digitally. There are things that you need to do or have and access to. I think it to. is a
1: bit removed from pure creative. Mm. It, you know, I, I think if you can, if you are an um, intuitive poet or something that channels poetry and speaks it or whatever, then mm. that, that's kind of, that's some kind of pure art. If you are an expressionist painter that, in that moment releases your moment of inspiration onto a canvas. There's a sort of purity in that. But with digital art there is a kind of another step in the process Mm -hmm. and I'm not exactly sure how how to explain that except to say that it's once removed from a pure expression of art in my experience Mm. of it and I'm not saying it's a lesser form because of that. I think it's an incredibly expressive, exciting medium, Mm -hmm. but it is
0: different from that instantaneous release because it does take time. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, another layer behind the layer or like there's, like you kind of have to push back another curtain and then there's more behind it that needs to be messed with or fidgeted with or tightened up or is it the different components like that
1: you could argue it's the same in every art form that every art form you know oil painting Mm. you have to wait for the layers to dry before you can put the next layer on and Mm. you can draw correlations between the two but there's something about the Maybe it's the where, where we're at with interfaces, mm. which is we're very screen-based at the moment. Mm. And The work that I make tends to be that the interfaces are not screen-based. They're in a space and I'm really working much more towards an augmented reality mm. condition mm. where you can augment reality in a space through technology. Mm. But when designing it, I'm still dealing with a keyboard, and and a flat screen and mm. maybe it's those tools that create that sort of two-step process in the art
0: yeah yeah
1: um, that's still a work in progress in my mind I'm not yeah quite
0: sure. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah lots of cool cool things going on and in- with your work, I'm so excited to have you as part of the evolution of storytelling. Is there any final words that you'd like to impart before we you know, it could be a piece of advice, it could be a saying, it could be something to keep in mind, a little bit of wisdom, I don't know, anything that closing thoughts.
1: I don't know. I'm I'm really interested in people coming together and sharing ideas. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's why I'm interested in being a part of this storytelling time Mm. so that we can get people who consider these ideas and consider them quite deeply and what they do to us as humanity and create a forum where we can discuss it and I'm excited for people to come along to that and be a part of that discussion because I'm equally as interested in what the people on the stage have to say as what the people off the stage have to say Mm. and I think opening up these discussions, turning up to these kind of things is so much better than television mm. and Melbourne is a brilliant place to be for this. There are so many opportunities to engage in ideas and engage with other people on a fascinating level mm-hmm. and that's the key for me. That's what makes me tick. I'm, I'm just I'm curious. Mm. that's it I'm just mm-hmm. curious and it never stops I've got a zillion ideas that's mm. not that's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the easy bit. yeah 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 just got this boundless curiosity and being in a place like this amongst other people who consider things deeply and like to nut them out is mm. is a really is
0: something I don't take for granted mm. it's a great it's a, t- a great place Melbourne's a great place and it's a great time to be alive it just that's that's just my opinion but yeah i i just as as much as there's people throwing this you know all these ideas around about what could or might happen or what are the effects of artificial intelligence or you know what's going to happen to us or what's the future look like what do the jobs look like and and i think you know we're just gonna work it out like we always have but the part of the amazing thing is is that there's so much that we won't have to do anymore that will open us up to doing whatever we want to do. Like our boundless possibilities are going to be really opening up for us because we're not tied to certain menial things or tasks that just we don't need to be doing. Like we have so much more potential than we're using. And this is my hope is that we're going to get to this place of wow, we don't have to do that, not, not fearing that we don't have to do it, but we are excited that we don't have to do certain things anymore and that now we have so much more time to explore and to be insatiably curious because it's such a powerful thing to have in your life, that curiosity.
1: I so. totally agree and think that there's a great opportunity too for artists to offer a service mm. to society, and it's not for everybody. I understand that some artists create differently Mm. but there is this opportunity to create a service to invite people in who have that time Mm. to use it in a constructive meaningful way so they come together physically in a physical space Mm. and that they socialize with each other and they elevate their ideas together and make something big Mm. that's meaningful to them all
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and and present it to other people and that, for me, that's the kind of work that I love to make and I think there's more and more opportunity to do that because, as you say, there's going to be people to varying degrees. Some people are going to have a lot of time on their hands mm. and and I think we need to offer them something meaningful to do mm-hmm. with that time mm-hmm. and artists have a real opportunity to, to stand up and to say, you know, hey, get involved here because mm. this artists have for you know this is how we make meaning
2: Mm, mm.
1: and this is how we build stories and create our stories and express our stories and we can elevate them to the point that they're larger than an individual Mm. and and that's what's fascinating and then you end up making something completely different (laughs) as a collective Mm. and it's all going to be seen differently by different people and it's yeah it's a fascinating process and it's a fascinating time to be able to to offer that because mm. i think more and more people are going to need that kind of meaning in mm-hmm.
0: their life yep that's pretty cool <laughs> that's pretty cool so i think i'll wrap it up now because we've we've been talking for a little while and i appreciate your time and i um, really just so excited for so many things including this event and thank you so much for being involved Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And thank you to my guests on this episode. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with your friends and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. I look forward to continuing the conversation on the stories that are shaping our future next month on Stories Create Me. Curious about how the power of narrative could work for you? Check out my business website, www.spendloveandlam.com. That's www.spendloveandlam.com.